Before I leave you to enjoy the episode, I'm going to ask you for a very small favor. Please tell your friends about the show and help me help as many men as possible with their mental health. Now, I know they might not be able to speak up or ask for help, but maybe, just maybe, by listening to these remarkable stories, something will resonate with them. I truly appreciate your support on this, and thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Don't Be a Man About It. Today, my guest, Scott Armstrong, the editor-in-chief for Arabian Business, is here with me today to talk about resilience. But before we do that, I just want to say hi, Scott, and thank you for being on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you for uh, asking me to join you today. My pleasure. Um, So, Scott, before we dig in, I want to ask, how is your heart doing today? How's my heart doing today? Um, it's, it's doing better today than it was last night watching the, the Denmark-Finland match, um, watching um, Christian Eriksen, uh, a super fit guy, fall to his feet and nearly die on the pitch and then watching them try to resuscitate it. And then watching his wife on the sidelines, obviously distraught with what was happening on the pitch. Um, yeah, so t- today my heart's doing much better knowing that he's he's alive and he's stable and he's well because that was really difficult to watch. Um, and I posted something on LinkedIn this morning, which was basically like, you know, um, I think something like that makes you, it just, it forces you to have a little think about where you're at and where your priorities were. I mean, one of the first things we did last night was phone my son at university, just tell him I love him, make sure he was all right. You know, my five and a half year old daughter in bed, give her a big extra hug. She's sleeping at the time, but, but you know, you just look at it and go, oh, wow, you know, and I think, you you know, if you say this is about don't be a man about it, I think there's a lot of, there'll be a lot of men, obviously, and women too, but a lot of men last night that were watching that, where it was, it was a very powerful and distressing moment. And thank goodness he's, he's all right this morning. You're so right. Yesterday, we were all actually watching. And the minute that happened to him, um, I was like you, I was just worried about him, but also his wife, because in a split of a second, their lives could change forever. Um, and the, the good thing is that he's alive and he's well, he's stable. But the bad thing is he might actually lose his career and not be able to do what he loves to do anymore. Uh, yeah. and. How many people, I mean, I mean, it's interesting how many people have gone through that position over the last, you know, the last sort of 18 months with coronavirus. I mean, with, um, you know, with Christian, it'll, it'll be a health issue. And hopefully, you know, maybe he can come back. And I really hope he can. Um, perhaps his wife would have a different perspective. Um, and I know, I know football can be a dangerous game because my wife persuaded me to go and try and play football. Uh, and I walked off with a broken little finger and ripped my ear apart. So it t- it took me a while to recover from that. But you know, over the last over the last year, eighteen months, like there's been lots of people who have actually had to walk up to that line and face. Uh, well, I might not be able to do what I want to do, particularly in this part of the world, which is really really stressful. Um, that said, when you do walk up to that line, and you know, you and your partner, you as a family, walk up to that line and 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 do all the maths about 
right, this is what happens if I lose my job. This is what happens if we have to up sticks and uproot our entire life and go back to some home country, which is something we all face in this part of the world. It actually does take the fear out of it a little bit. I mean, I had three jobs last year um, and this one came along um, and, and, and really felt good. So I'm in a good place, which is good. But, uh, you know, there were a couple of missteps last year, um, which weren't easy to deal with. And we, we had to face that situation that we might have to go back to the UK or we might have to leave the UE or we might have to go to a different country and kind of just uproot what we had. So, yeah, difficult for Christian and his family. Um, I think they'll probably look at it with the perspective of many people will look at it after po you know, post-coronavirus, which is lucky to be alive, lucky to still be in a job, um, feeling grateful for the fact that, it, it, you know, the, the alternative was much more unthinkable, shall we say, than the fact that they'll have to find a, potentially a different path forward. But, you know, it'll be a path forward which involves Christian still alive and still a father to his children and still a husband to his, to his wife. So, yeah, tough, but I know they'll take that over the alternative. Nicely said. I couldn't have said, said it any better. So, yes, I, I, I totally agree. And that part about having priorities is also very important. So what do you think? So let's start from, oh, wow, we spoke a lot of already. <laughs> Who is caught outside Arabian Oh, oh uh, well, who's got outside Arabian Well, I am, um, I'm father and I'm a husband. Um, I'm you know, besotted with my kids. Um, so they form a, uh, you know, a good part of my personality. I try to uh, be a good husband to my wife. She might disagree with that. She, she's, a, she's a strong woman that practices um, total honesty, shall we say, which keeps, keeps you grounded. Um, but uh, who is Scott? That's a very good question. I think I'm, I'm, I'm finally finding out because... I'm at this point, and we were talking before we kind of came into this conversation about I've only just begun unraveling who Scott is away from my job title. And I think it's a it's something that lots of young people, um, we, we kind of define ourselves by our jobs. And I kind of started this process like three or four years ago. I stepped outside of my interest industry to go and work for two years in the communications industry where I'd never worked before after 30 years in journalism. So I've been a journalist for 30 years since I was 16 years old, didn't know anything else. And I was really surprised how much it challenged me and my idea of me because I no longer had a simple title where when I was at, you know, if I'm out to dinner and someone asks me, what do you do for a living? I'd be like, oh, I can't say I'm a journalist anymore. Um, and that sense of self-identity linked to a job role and just having torn that up and doing something different, I think was the beginning of an unraveling of, well, I am one thing and it's that. Um, and then since then, I think it's just been a total learning curve. Um, probably, I probably learned more, I would say, in the last two or three years about me rather than about my craft than I have done in 30 years. You know, I've had a fairly easy not easy run, but I've had a fairly easy run on the professional front where it's all been green lights and the career has been reasonably smooth and steady and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, over the last three or four years, it's been an interesting one. So 
who is Scott? Um, ask me in five years' time. Maybe I'll be there. But I don't think do we, do we ever get there? Is that is that a, is that a journey where we arrive at the destination, or do we keep just keep travelling down that road? To me, it feels like I'm finally on the road, which I suppose is a good thing. Um, where where the stops are, are are along the way moving forward, I'm not quite sure, but I'm quite excited to find out. That's a good catch, actually. That's a good catch. Thank you for sharing this because having a clear defined term of who we are doesn't really get there because when time passes and you are, as you've mentioned, a work in progress, new learning, new learnings show up, new versions of yourself would evolve into and take another shape or a new shape. Um, your priorities change. So I would say you will never have, that's it. This is who I am. I'm not gonna change anymore. It's just that I am on my path and I'm doing my best and I'm showing up and this is my learning so far. Yeah, and I was, I was talking to someone the other day and they asked me the question like, what would you, what would you tell like a younger version of yourself? And I think it would basically be, <laughs> go, yeah, go easy on yourself a little bit. Go, go a bit easier on yourself because we're all going to make mistakes and God knows I've made many of them. Um, and many, and many of them that I should have learned from and didn't back in the day. But then, you know, finally, I, I kind of feel like maybe I'm, I am learning a little bit more as we go. You know, it's, I'm late. I'm Johnny come lately to being not wise about it, but I've just been around clever people enough to start finally listening. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a work in progress and I don't think it's a destination that we ever fully arrive at and i'm not sure i do want to arrive at it you know we we've we have changed like my if you ask my dad bless me passed away a couple of years ago but he always knew who he was and he always knew what he believed in and you couldn't really challenge many of his beliefs loved him dearly but frustrated me greatly because sometimes he was very close-minded to experiences or changes or evolutions um you know and if i flip to the editorial side of things I don't have the luxury of being closed-minded to evolutions because, you know, my industry changes on an almost daily basis. You know, we're doing webinars and podcasts and live social broadcasts and live events and technology platforms change and social media has grown and new social media comes. So, you know, from a professional side of view, I've, I've got to be someone that can evolve. Otherwise, I'm a dinosaur and I get left behind. Um, so the profession is quite good from that perspective is it forces you at least in some part of your personality you, you've got to embrace change in some some shape or, or, or form but um, yeah I think I, I got lost a little bit there in the answer as well I started I started down the path and I'm not quite sure where the path went that's the beauty of it just explore it and see what comes up. But there's a distinction that I would just like to ask you about. You mentioned like twice or three times by now that on a professional level, it's easier. Do you think because there's a structure in the corporate world or in the business world, when we are being in our professional states, we know what to do even when we're not. And we have guidelines, we have a structure to follow. We have things to like metrics, like KPIs, but when it comes to our personal journey, we don't. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big advocate and I, I, I bore people around me about the fact that I think 
the corporate structure needs to change. Um, Big time. You know, particularly as, as a father of a young daughter, you know, I, I desperately hope that she enters the workplace with a much more egalitarian, um, you know, equality-focused, diversity-focused workplace. Because I look at my five-year-old girl and she's bright and she's intelligent and she rules my world. And why should she have to work harder for success than, 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 than someone that was born with a different chromosome to her? So I really hope that that changes. Um, I also see, and I think coronavirus has definitely accelerated it. We write about this at Arabian Business a lot. Um, and it's something I'm quite passionate about. It's accelerated the change in the hierarchical leadership. It is a very old-fashioned form of leadership that doesn't empower people, that just tells people to do a certain thing. Um, is a very sort of Victorian mill, manufacturing process-driven hierarchical system. I think there's a massive opportunity for companies that embrace that as a change. So I think people's ability to grow within a role or people's ability to grow in, in workplaces. That needs to change. Um, it, it's beginning to. I think there's a big conversation in workplaces about mental health. And uh, you know, we'll perhaps talk about the Resilience Channel of Arabian Business later. But yeah, so there is structure, but I, do, I don't think the structure is fit for purpose, but it does provide some structure. I think actually we are beginning to step away from the structure in corporate life, but then we're on this podcast. I'm on this podcast with you talking about things that we traditionally, perhaps even as recently as 10 years ago, might not have spoken about, you know, about what's our personal path. Indeed, you know, if I was to ask my dad, you know, my dad would have been, he worked and he worked to provide for his family. And then he went down the pub with his mates and there was, you know, and, and, and it was interesting because so my, my dad like got divorced and got remarried and second dad with my with his second family rather than my dad who was a very traditional father um uh, was two different dads because he had a second chance at almost at life and my my younger brothers had a far more engaged father who actually became probably a better person he learned he had the opportunity to rip up his structure or his structure was ripped up for him and then he entered a structure and when he did that he, he, he definitely became you know he's he was richer for it and happier for it um and i think we are now at that point where we're looking at our personal lives and we're asking more questions the the, the flip side of asking more questions is we're, we're we're more doubt perhaps more doubtful than where we were or we're perhaps more needful for an answer than we ever were and it's not i don't think there necessarily is an answer i i i, I see everybody talking about the pursuit of happiness uh, like happiness is something where we can we're just going to arrive there one day once i've got that bigger car and i've got that bigger house and i've got i'm earning more money and i'm having that holiday then then i'll be happy and i don't think it is that i think no. the happiness is in is in the moment and i haven't done a serious deep dive into mindfulness but i think that's what mindfulness kind of is which is yeah and again i tell you what christian erickson's family know what that is this morning which is gratitude and grateful for they will be taking every moment they can with christian right now because just for him to be alive and well will be their entire world and i think coronavirus and i think the lockdown has maybe opened a lot of people's eyes to okay so maybe it isn't what I thought it was. Maybe it isn't a destination. Maybe it's something I just have to build for myself every day. Um, and that's, that's, that's quite difficult to do. It's quite challenging to do that. 
God, I talk a lot. Do you think, which is good, which is good, good for the show. <laughs> Do you think the pandemic was your wake-up call or it happened earlier? Uh, mine happened slightly earlier, but that was, it, it, but not by much, but I had a good few wake-up calls. 2020 was a good wake-up call on a number of fronts. Um, but definitely the last couple of years, I, I've, I've come late to, um, uh, I don't know, enlightenment on this, or I've come late to the fact that, you know, there's work to do. Um, and I'm finally beginning to realize that there's, there's work to do on Scott. There's, there's, there's pieces of Scott that need to be improved. There's pieces of Scott that have not functioned well for 30 years. And I've put, I've, I've taped over the cracks and, uh, I've, you know, uh, found other ways and other routes rather than confront the main problem, shall we say. So, yeah, um, I, I think, as I say, different benchmarks, changing my career entirely, and I've gone back into my career now, but I'm richer for taking um, two, two years out of journalism to go into the communications industry and seeing things on what would be the other side of my fence and meeting different people and also just that, that ripping up of your self-image was a good thing, not an easy thing, but a good thing. Um, mm. And then, yeah, just being in the wrong place, shall we say, being in the wrong job a couple of times last year, for whatever reason, um, challenged me again and challenged my idea of what do I want for myself? Um, and what am I prepared to, you know, where will I compromise and where will I no longer compromise moving forward? Okay. Um, I think that was an interesting uh, an interesting thing to go go through and then to kind of come out the other side of that um, with Arabian business in particular because like, I walked into this with a mindset that I didn't want to just stand on the sidelines and report on other people's misery. I wanted us to try and be part of the community and have an active conversation and try and listen to what their issues, problems, opportunities, what was exciting them, you know, to have a, a dialogue um, deeper within the community so there's yeah personal wake up probably four years ago begun um up until then i had a really easy life a really easy road even i know look and i've had missteps in the past you know on my second marriage which was great um the the, the ending of the first marriage was was you know um sad and but the right thing ultimately um to, to, you know, um, so, but all of that, I kind of took in my stride. Um, but for, yeah, for 30 years, I've had a fairly easy run. And then the last five years or so has been really interesting. Um, and I think there's, there was Matthew, I was listening to Matthew McConaughey wow. and he's written a book about this called, yeah, he's, he's written a book called Green Lights. And part of that that really gelled with me was like, you know, you don't learn, really don't learn much when everything's going well. Um, and I re and that's why I say I didn't, really didn't learn much about me because for so long, everything really just ticked over. Nothing really challenged. You know, I worked hard. That was great. I did well. You know, I picked up the odd award along the way. Um, one marriage failed. I, I was lucky enough to meet a very strong woman and got remarried again i've got you know a stepson who's my son essentially i've got a beautiful daughter so things things went really smooth for a long time it's only when things when when the car goes off the you know goes off the road and you're in 
unexplored territory that you begin to have to think about, all right, okay, now well, how do I drive the car now? So yeah, that's, that's Matthew McConaughey's whole thing about green lights. Green lights are easy. You just sail through them. It's when you hit the red lights. That's when you need to start thinking and exploring and what comes next. So what comes the red <laughs> oh, Sorry. <laughs> I'm rambling. You're really good at this because you've just got me like, just rambling on. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Um, so what is your red light? What was it? So repeat the question. Sorry. What is the... What was your red light? So you spoke about the green light of how Matthew described it. What was the red light that took you out of your comfort zone that took you enough for you to say, hmm, you know what? I have to just meet or do something. No, I mean, it was, I, and, and all these things, it was an unintentional red light in some ways because I, you know, again, career-wise, in the previous- stressed, Was there any symptoms of depression? Oh, no, I mean, to be, and I, I wouldn't go as far as depressed, maybe, maybe, but um, no, I think it's interesting because I've worked in a creative profession all my life, okay? Um, and what you'll find about creative people, or certainly a lot of us, particularly in media and journalism, is we're deeply insecure people. Um, you know, we because we put because we create something, be it a piece of journalism or you know, or write a story, and then we put it out for public judgment, and we're judged on that. So there's a lot of insecure people in my industry that never get any kind of coaching or assistance with that. You'll find a lot of heavy drinkers in my profession. Um, you'll find a lot of uh, people that cover up insecurities with brash, commanding, you know, trying to overcompensate, shall we say. Um, and I would be, I, I, honestly, I, I, I'd say I've been as guilty as many back in the day of, of that, and it's taken me a while to learn that. So um, there's a lot of insecurity in my profession, and I've been a very insecure person for most of my life. And again, I would say, last two, three years, I'm finally beginning to get a handle on that and actually begin to have some self-worth, shall we say. I've, I've always defined myself by either my job or how other people see me. I never really spend much time trying to figure out how do I actually see me. Um, and then, you know, finally begin to recognize particularly when you go through a few things that, okay, well, maybe, maybe I am okay. Maybe I, again, coming back to what, what I would have told my younger self, cut yourself a bit of slack because you can only do the best you can do in any given situation. Um, life don't, doesn't come with a handbook. Um, and we often all think we're alone in a situation. And then the minute you find yourself a support network and you start talking about it, you recognize that, Almost everybody goes through the same thing. You know, everybody, I, I genuinely believe now, is insecure on some level. Nobody's perfect. Um, everyone's flawed. Everyone's got weaknesses. Um, and the, the more we kind of lean into them, the more we can be comfortable with them. And I think I'm just, just, just beginning to lean into them a bit. And it kind of excites when you see, you know, your brain processes and what, what happens and you see what's what pe people like you are doing and, and, and what's out there in that space what's being done in that space it's really exciting because then you can go do you know what i've had all this baggage and all this self-doubt and every time i've gone into a meeting i've been crippled with self-doubt and then i've tried to be uber confident and then the, the flip side of that is 
that you don't listen to the other person on the other end of the conversation because you're trying to be so so confident and you cannot be wrong because you're deeply insecure, but you can't show them that you're wrong. You can't show them that you're deeply insecure. So the minute you kind of open yourself up to that, you begin to start having interesting conversations where you can actually listen and learn. And I'm finally beginning to... I'm an interrupter. I've been an interrupter all my life. It drives my wife mad. And I'm finally beginning to try and like at least recognize I'm an interrupter. Shut up, Scott. Stop talking and listening, which I'm doing a really bad job of on this podcast. You're supposed to talk. Here, I go silent and you talk. This is how it works. So <laughs> that is really good. Thank you for being authentic about this. It's... Um, a lot of men, I'm pretty sure a lot of men would resonate why listening to this, but I have personally worked with men who measure this, their self-worth with their jobs, with their businesses. And once things go down the hill, they would say, oops, who am I now? What do I do? This is not me. Um, and things can go a bit chaotic. Um, once you, or once we become okay with the fact that it's okay to not know who I am at this moment, but you said something that I am a journalist, but I'm not anymore, but you are a journalist, whether you have that position or not, it's the same skills, mm. the character, and it's all here and here. Um, that, that's, I will get back to it to talk about how in the corporate world would be better if we lead top down when it comes to embracing the, the flaws and the imperfections inside the company. But I do have one question popping up, which is why Go you on. are on your journey of self-discovery? Are you receiving any kind of support? Are you working with a coach or a therapist? Uh, no. And yes, in a way. Oh, which right? is wow. no and what no and would i really embrace it yes but with the arabian business resilience channel almost one of the reasons why i launched it in the first place was because you know i wanted to learn so i'm lucky because i'm exposed to all this incredible insight and wisdom by people who are far smarter than me that really just kind of got it figured out and it comes in an almost daily basis. It comes in an almost daily basis. So while I don't have a specific person I sit down and talk to, I am actually being provided with all sorts of assistance all the time through the through the content that comes in. And it, it, it's amazing when you scratch the surface. There is an incredible amount of in different in different parts. You know, it's it's all a bit fragmented, but there's some really just really good stuff out there. Some, you know, e e I know some people are either afraid of talking and having a conversation like this with another person, or there is also a financial aspect aspect of it. Um, but as a starting point, there is so much, you know, here's a, here's a shameless plug for Arabian Business Resilience Channel, but there is loads and loads of good information and insight out there where you can just begin, you know, to... Yeah get a group or begin to start asking the questions and begin to start asking the why as Simon Sinek always talks about a guy I've also again through Arabian business and again by embracing you know this resilience channel you know come on to some of the stuff that he talks about um so yeah. I love it uh, one thing that yeah. made resilience blog or resilience section stand out in my opinion is that it talks to everyone 
So if you are a teenager, there are resources for teenagers. Yeah. If you are an employee, there yeah. is something for you. An entrepreneur, there's something for yeah. you. Men, women, I love it how it's, it's accessible for everyone. Well, because, because we're all human beings and because we all go through pretty much the same stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, each, each profession or each stage of life, you know, again, I've got a son in university. Um, I've, I've got another son who's a teenager. Um, we've all, we, we've kind of been there. Um, I've been in the corporate world um, and you see it. Yeah, there's just, it's fair. And what I love about this whole conversation, I love the fact that this conversation is happening um, because, yeah, I went through it as a kid and had no one to talk to really. Not, not even my, you know, not even my father. And bless him, we had a really strong relationship, as particularly as grown-ups, and particularly because he met his second wife and re almost relearned how to to be a dad. Um, but, but growing up for me, I did I very, you know, there weren't very many people to talk to. I was bullied as a child. Um, got through that. That teaches you different things. Um, but we all go. Like, I mean, I'm not, and this isn't violins and uh, you know asking people to, to for sympathy but we are evolving out of the period where we all just got on with ourselves you know we didn't discuss it and um to the point where we are now more empathetic and we are willing to talk to each other and we're no and we're no we're nowhere near where we need to be i look back at the uk and suicide is the second biggest killer of young men in the UK, which really worries me because I've got a son who's at university and I've got another teenage son who's going, you know, he'll be at that point of view. Now, if you if that wasn't a mental health illness, we would call that a pandemic. We, we would say that that's, you know, that needed urgent attention. It would have its own parliamentary inquiry. But because it's mental health, it's, it's an offshoot. Because there's so many different aspects of mental health, we don't look at it in, in isolation and go, "Well, that's the second big, biggest killer of men." And it and it's you know I was listening to the BBC this morning, uh, you know Beirut, understandably so, has seen mental health you know the reach out for mental health assistance triple since you know since last last year. We see that across the board. Um, so we've got a, we've got a really long way to go on this, but. We're on the, at least we're on the path, you know, there are these podcasts, you know, we're having this conversation where I guarantee you my dad never had this conversation. 20 years ago, I didn't have this conversation. I just went to the pub and drank too much. You know, that was our way of coping. And, and now we're, 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 we're at least exploring it. And I just think we need to explore it faster. When you said you were bullied in school, so that is safe for me to assume that you have learned to be resilient at a young age. Now, knowing that uh, you No, you don't yeah. agree? Uh, to a degree, okay. yeah. I mean, back when I was a kid, we didn't have... You know, all right, so I, I, I didn't have much choice. You know, my family broke up. Um, I Yes, I was bullied at school, but that wasn't the, the probably the most challenging thing I ever went through. Um, uh, a, you know, I uh, I was in temporary accommodation as a kid, and I had to get into you know I, I was lucky to get from school to to a job, and the reason why I've been in journalism all this year was you know journalism was a bit of my saviour, really sort of saved me from the street type thing. So I'm always 
I'll always be grateful for the career of career that journalism gave me. Um, so there was a there was an appetite and desire and a fuel to succeed, which was basically to put a roof over my head and keep a roof over my head, which is even back in the seventies was a fairly there were early eighties um, fairly unique position. Like not many people went through that, but uh, do you ever? Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer that one. Um, I got through it. Um, my dad had a um, Invictus Manio, I think it was, or Manio Invictus, one way around, which is a Latin, and it was it was his family motto, and it was always our family motto, which is Latin for "I remain undefeated," which basically meant on, an, on any given day, it didn't matter what was thrown at you, you weren't beaten. You didn't win. You may have lost, but you weren't beaten and then you go back the next day and try and win again and if you could keep hold of that you know that's what he always kept on because he was he i mean he came from even more humbler backgrounds than i and that was his get you know that that was his motto which was like you didn't beat me you didn't beat me you know i, I can look you in the eye at the end of the day and like you you might have kind of won this battle or you may be in a superior position to me today, but you haven't actually beaten Scott or you haven't actually beaten David, who was my father. You know, I'm, I'm still okay. Um, and that, and that's, that, that was kind of a good way or resilient way to phrase things, shall we say there are, the, the, there's still an explanation in that or an explanation that happened within that about how, how, how healthy are you in that space, but at least you got through. Um, and I've, oh, the older you get, and that sounds patronizing, but, or in my case, at least I finally, as I say, I've had smooth sailing for a while, dodgy start, smooth sailing for a while, and then some more lessons. And there's a guy called Victor Frankl who wrote this book called Man's Search for Humanity, I think it is. And he was in the concentration camps. Um, and I'm not, I'm not equating my situation to that at all, but he, he made a really good point, which is basically about life is how life and challenges about how you frame them. So you, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to them. Um, and he obviously went through the most horrific of circumstances and came out of it, um, not only sane somehow, but with a, a, a massive amount of wisdom and insight, you know, and it's that that's impressive to me. So I think when when life throws you these curve curveballs, it is kind of like, well, why did that happen, and what can I learn from it? And that's that's not easy, but just framing your reality is is can be helpful and important. But it's also a choice. You reminded me of a story, a very short story, where two brothers were asked the same question. How did you end up like this? One of them is an alcoholic. He gambles. He's really in a very bad place. And his brother is mm. in a good place. He's healthy. He's fit. He's smart. He's, um, he has his own business. And both of them gave the same answer. I watched my dad growing up. So their dad was like the other son, which is alcoholic and he gambles and all of that. Each brother or each son made a choice. I don't want to be like him and I want to be like him. And I love that story because it really applies on everything we go through, whether it was death or a loss of a job or a breakup or something related to our health. Um, we make a choice. Now what? Now what? I had yeah. Marcus, and if you... Marcus Smith on my show, 
um, and he yeah. about his accident. And he said, yeah, yeah. My wife told me, right, the accident happened. Now what? So, yeah. Choice. It sounds like Marcus's wife is a bit like mine, Christina. She, I mean, she is. She, she will she will cut through all the self pity and the bull and, and you know and the BS and go right. What's the, what's the actual problem we need to address here? And again, last year, when things were tough, tough last year, it was right. Let's walk up to the line. Let's have a look at what ripping up our life here looks like. And then when we when we looked at it, it was like okay, but as a family, we're still solid. It doesn't matter where we are. We're going to be in the UK. We're going to be here. We're going to be there. So we're still solid. So. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know. If if you lose your job, if if the if what you is the worst you fear comes to pass, yeah, no problem. We'll deal with it. And uh, and that is the thing. It's the fear of the thing sometimes, often than the thing itself. Uh, I have certainly learned is is the worst thing. You know, it's the fear of the thing that keeps us awake at night. That's what goes around our heads at night. Yeah. You know, think you're trying to think through every ultimate eventuality of the thing rather than actually just step in the next day and confront the thing and often the thing isn't half as bad as you thought it was going to be really sophisticated psychological language this isn't it the thing but um yeah i think it's the fear and the anxiety of the thing and we kind of do that to ourselves we create that rather than the external you know there are external factors that can be you know that are the cause but again we're responsible for our own reaction to it. And I, I can say like last year taught me a lot back in that space because my reaction to a few things last year in the first place weren't great, but by the end of it, it taught me a lot. And then actually looking back on a red light rather than a green light, it was like, right, now I have actually learned a reasonable amount about myself why did that happen what you know what role did i have to play in that what role did an external force have to play in that okay so if it was that external force then should i just cut myself some slack and learn from that which is again yes um do i go into the next job full of self-belief um do i or else do i go into the next role looking to see assuming that i can win rather than assuming i can lose um and uh, and i did and right now it's still going reasonably well, but that's probably when everything goes horribly wrong. Well, you never know. You never know. No, um, we don't. Before you go, uh, not before, while you are on your self-discovery journey, which is beautiful, but at the same time, it can be exhausting, it can be confusing, and it could also attract lots of heavy emotions. How do you take care of yourself during? Me, not nearly well enough. Um, I, I would say, and it's actually interesting because since I've done my leg and playing football, I am missing, I, I used to cycle a lot. Um, but again, you, I think you get to choose. Like, you know, um, my daughter, who's five and a half years old, uh, you know, there is a lot of joy in her life and helping create that joy is, is a really good coping technique. You know, being part of that. And I think, you know, joy is something that we can create for ourselves. Happiness is maybe a, a destination, this mythical destination we never get to, but joy is something we can create on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a, on a you know. Um, and when you've got young kids, um, you know, I think any parent will tell you, 
it can be tiring and exhausting, but at the same time, there is a lot of joy. So kind of just like sit down with them and be part of that joy is, is really helpful. Um, you know, if we're lucky, we've got an honest partner, you know, um, by our sides, um, that can be helpful. It can be a struggle as well. Um, <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> it sometimes takes a while to process the information. Um, but well, once it's processed, it's, you know, it's helpful. Um, so yeah, how do I, how do I look after myself? It's probably deep dive into family. Um, and you know, if you can surround yourself with a, with a, with a, you know, a support group of friends, yeah. that's helpful as well. Um, and I would say just cause I'm missing the absence of it. I think exercise is incredibly important. My, my honestly, my 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 diet, and my lifestyle needs work. And again, I'm on a journey on that one. I've been up and I've been down, and I've, I've, you know, I'm I'm I, I'm bigger than I should be right now. But what, what it, I'm, I'm all right with that. But just missing the but exercise is really good because it just seems to burn so much stress. I think you know, I'm not I'm not Marcus Smith. I wish I was. I wish I had his figure. Um, but um, yeah, so exercise and family are my two go-tos. Well, you might not be Marcus Smith, but you are Scott Armstrong and you get to do your own shape. <laughs> I, I, I do. That's very right. I am Scott Armstrong. Yeah. If you're out there, Marcus Smith, I'm Scott Armstrong. Now, I've spoken to Marcus a couple of times. He's done, he's done a couple of excellent videos for us as well. So, you know, and he's obviously gone through. I mean, the guy broke his back or something like that and came back from it. So... You know, if you talk about mental resilience, there, there's a there's a guy that's been on the journey as well. So, and that and that is again okay. So, how do you support yourself? It's again look around and you just you know again recognize the moments where you go right, like Christian Erickson last night. Right, actually need to create five minutes of joy for myself. Ring my son, hug my daughter because actually I've just been reminded to be grateful again. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the, the that's the 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 daily challenge is like how can we be grateful for what we've got because actually you know and if we look at ourselves here in the UAE in particular damn there's a lot to be grateful for I mean our, our our life compared to back in the UK you know in terms of lockdown in terms of the way that they dealt with the you know the pandemic here we've got so many more freedoms than so many places you know. Um, we've got so many advantages in this place where it, it's almost first world problems. You know, you sometimes just get so caught up in the in the imagined frustrations of things that you forget how damn good life out here is really. That's true. I'll, I'll second that. That's so true. Wow. All right. So do you think when leaders become too much resilient, what is the dark side of that? Or do you believe that there's Oof. a dark side of too much resilience? I don't know about too much resilience. I mean, I think too much overcompensating is very difficult. I mean, I've, you know, and I won't say who or when in the 33 years that I was working for, but, you know, I have worked for deeply insecure bosses who were bullies. Um, some of them were uh, incredibly good at getting under your skin. You know, you felt at times like that individual standing in the corner of your bedroom at night, 
glaring at you and you couldn't sleep because of it. So I think overcompensating the insecurity, um, it can lead to really bad leaders. And I also think that definition of leaders um, it should be used sparingly. I, I, I use the phrase with my guys here. And again, I'm, I'm honestly not preaching. I'm not going to tell you I've got it tapped. I'm learning as I go. But I've, uh, I now look at my team and say, you, know, you are the guys who are on the field of play. Um, you are the guys that are going to score the goal. And my only job is to help you do your job well, because if you win, then I win. Um, and berating you for missing a penalty is not going to make you a better goal scorer. Um, so that's something. And I think, you know, if you look at sports documentaries and you look at sports science and sports mentality, they, they've known this for years. There was a great, I don't know if you saw that last dance, which was all about um, basketball and it was all about you know, famous basketball. <laughs> oh, you should. You'll oh find God. it fascinating because for me, the most powerful character, you know, in the entire series wasn't the superstar players, as interesting as they were as to get into their mindset, was the coach. And this is a guy that won championship after champion or inspired his team to win championship after championship after championship. And you listen to him and here's a guy that's just got it together that's kind of, you know, looked at himself first and gone, I know who I am, I know where I'm going, and I know where I'm going to take the team. And because he was, I mean, you can tell he was secure, he could let his players go in different roads and routes to get to the same destination, rather than this whole insecure, you have to do it my way, because my way is the only way to do it. And I think I've tried to step away from that and just, like however you get there guys that's that's fine by me just please get there um and and if you don't right let's find out where did we, where did we go wrong how do we change that to to get to where we need to get to um that's kind of that's where i'm at and i think that's where that's the challenge for leaderships um i've seen it firsthand it can be incredibly destructive um but also on the flip side the benefit of getting this right is unbelievable. Yeah, I interviewed a guy called Sir Ian Cheshire, who's the chairman of this new thing called the Global Business Collaboration for Better Mental Health in the Workplace. Very long title. But he, he, he was pointing to the fact that, you know, the return on investment in this space is incredible. It's the productivity. Um, it, it just makes sense for the bottom line of companies. They will make more money if they are nicer to their employees. If they create safe, psychologically spaced places where people just feel empowered to actually step up and do the job in the way they want to do. Because sometimes they'll have a better process. Sometimes they'll have a better idea. We get so obsessed with the routine that someone created maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago that we don't want it to be challenged. And it's like, well, yeah, but it should be. Like working practices, or, or industries evolve, technology evolves, you know, but, but this whole sort of management structure doesn't evolve. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So um, I bore a lot of people's senses around me about that, but I do think there's a massive opportunity for leaders who want to take a look at themselves and go, right, I have not done this the best way I could have. And it doesn't matter when you get to that 
realization if you can get to that realization go do you know i can do this better and do you know what i can be vulnerable and i can tell my team that i don't have all the answers without having to cover up by shouting at them yeah. i don't have to be the person who seems to be right all the time because uh, believe me i'm not um but I, I think that whole idea of the super leader who is never wrong and can't be challenged is actually really destructive and also really unproductive in, in terms of companies moving forward. Uh, ultimately, and again, I'm, this is not me being clever. This is me, or like all of my yeah, wisdom comes from quoting other people. It was good. It, it's, it's quoting other people, but um, also well, we're increasingly in a knowledge stream. You could own your intelligence, so please do that. <laughs> you have the right. All right, okay, so. <laughs> and two, yeah, um, you're just stating realities. You are literally just stating what's going on here in the corporate world, so it's fact. Um, I have seen it firsthand and I have struggled from it as an employee. Uh, I remember I had a manager who used to always tell me, your manager is always right, even when he's not. I was like, cool, I quit. <laughs> ah, 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 yeah. You're hilarious. You're also incredibly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to go back to what, you know, Ian Cheshire was saying, like, also from a pragmatic point of view, you know, we don't work in manufacturing mills anymore. You know, we are a knowledge based economy. Um, so the engine of output for any company these days is what's in here. Um, and if you have a piece of hardware, you as the owner of the manufacturing plant, maintain that output, that engine of output. You make sure it's well oiled. You make sure it's well maintained. Because if that breaks, then you don't make any money. Yeah. Now, this is now and that is now the engine of output. And what we need to get better at as companies and as workforces is, is maintaining that engine of output. And because it's what's inside this, it's the creativity, it's the inspiration, it's the energy, it's the enthusiasm, it's the ideas. That's where all the, you know, that's where all the revenue is. That's where all the performance is. That's where all the profit is. And the, the sooner the company is recognized by, by simply gravitating to doing the right thing and letting its people be its people, you'll be a much stronger organization. Amen. I have nothing else to add on that. That was like mic drop moment. So yes, <laughs> there is um to to just end the um the conversation, which I really have no heart to do. So, have you watched Eat, Pray, and Love? I haven't. I'm aware of it. Okay. But tell me. There, there is a scene where the character Julia Roberts is in Italy. And mm. every person on the table they were eating, they are sharing their word. So what's your word? Everyone is sharing. And then Julia's uh, turn came in and they asked her, what's your word? She was like, I'm just a woman who's in search for her word. If I come to ask you, what's your word? What would that word be? Oof. Autumn. Autumn, all right, why? Mm. It's my five-year-old daughter's name. <clears throat> and that should be closely followed by Carolis, my boy's name, and Alfie, my boy's name. Um, but yeah, they're my, they're, they're my totem animals in life, shall we say. Um, awesome. And then outside of that, I, outside of that, I think it's why. And I, I know I'm cheesily quoting Sam and Cynic again then, but <laughs> as a journalist, as, as a journalist, that is the one question that has defined a lot of my working life, which is why. 
Um, and now, finally, I'm beginning to wake up to the fact that I should be asking why in my personal life. Okay. So, Wonderful words. Thank you for sharing your story and uh, being authentic. That was really very, um, it meant a lot to me here. And um, anything else you'd like to just add to men in search of their words on the show? Um, when I posted something on LinkedIn, okay, so don't be afraid to be vulnerable. And I know it's a really difficult thing to say. There'll be a lot of guys there though, that particularly after last night, watching Euro, you know, watching the European Championship, watching Christian Eriksen go through that. Um, I think there's a big conversation taking place this morning. Um, I posted something about my situation or, or about being, you know, working for a toxic boss. And I basically said, you're not alone. Um, and it was, um, I was amazed with the um, response I got uh, from guys who were in the corporate world that, you know, and they were in their 40s, they were in their 50s, and they were, they were like, oh, my God, I thought I was the only person going through this. I thought I was the only person that was struggling in this way. Um, everybody is struggling, um, so you are not alone, and it doesn't matter at what stage of your life, whether you're a millennial or whether you're a Gen X or a boomer. I'm not a boomer. My boy keeps calling me a boomer and I'm Gen X. Um, but whatever stage you're at, you know, you are, you are not alone. And it's, there's, there is there's support and there's help. And just, yeah, don't be afraid to be wrong. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and give yourself, just, just go easy on yourself because it's life, you know, it's, it's unpredictable. It doesn't come with a manual. And if it did, it would be boring. Go easy on yourselves. Yes. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much. And um, yeah. Oh, thank you. Really enjoyable to, to, to talk with you. Um, thank you for, for listening. Um, uh, to your listeners, I'm sorry I do a rant on, but it's enjoyable. I, yeah, it's an enjoyable thing. And thank goodness, do you know what? I, I, I do cover up with humor quite a lot. But thank goodness we're having this conversation. Thank goodness there are more conversations like this happening. So more power to you and keep doing them. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you soon. <laughs>